0: Good morning. I'm Father Thomas from St. Patrick's. Just pinch hitting. It's good to be here. The, um, there was a story, um, I think in some biography, of Winston Churchill. If you've never heard about Winston Churchill, read up on that guy. He had some pretty amazing things back in World War II and some parts of his life. And at one point he had a party over at his house. And he invited different people of his government, different levels of authority. And there was one young couple, they were just starting out. And they uh, came to his house. He's, you know, this mansion, this prime minister of England, um, the leader of the war effort. And the, they were, the, the couple was only married a couple of years, so they were just at the lowest levels of society and of their, their profession. And at one point, the the wife, the woman, uh, having something and turned and she was near a a table. And on it were Grecian urns. Okay, Grecian urns, and they were originals. Okay, It was 3,000 years old. It was that black with red figures on it. It was absolutely priceless. And she hit that thing and knocked it over on the ground, smashed it, destroyed it. Well, her husband knew what this meant. He will never rise up, okay, that he'll be at the lowest rung in his profession for the rest of his life, and they may not even be accepted into uh, the society where they're hoping to do it. And Winston Churchill heard that, and he went over to it, if you know his accent, I can't imitate his accent, um, he, um, you know, he's, he's like an English bulldog in human form, and um, Winston Churchill went over and said, told her, madam. I hate those Grecian urns. Thank you. And he turned quickly and knocked the one other one over. Okay? Saved, saved her from embarrassment. In fact, raised them up. And they actually did because of him. Because everyone said, oh, this is not something to be embarrassed about. And so just to tell our altar server, thank you. I hated that candle. The one, the one that you nailed, I didn't like that at all. Okay? So keep me away from the rest of them. Okay? The, um, so thank you. We didn't need that one. Woo-hoo. The, um, the readings, and the, especially that psalm, have a bit to do with humility, of course. Asking humbly, but also that God hears the cry of the poor. There's that, that song we hear. Growing up, uh, I grew up in Cleveland, we would have syrupy songs all the time. Okay, It was the era of Kumbaya. Remember that? Whenever we said, we would always try to sing that song, with a, a pirate's accent. We would say it, you know, you'd hear this, if you were a music teacher, it'd drive you nuts, because we say, Cumbiar, my Lord, Cumbiar, because okay? we didn't like the song. Um, a common theme among that, especially when the word poor comes up in the scriptures, some of the people that choose music, especially some of the, the big manufacturers of bulletins and stuff like that, They'll immediately say, oh, here are the songs to play, and they're all about the poor. And that usually means the material poor, okay? The, the folks that you maybe you send down into Appalachia, down in Kentucky, that was it, Vinton, Kentucky, serving people like that. It also is an opportunity to talk about what our parish does for the poor and to have an extra collection for it. So get out your wallets. When the word poor came up, this whole machinery started, like this every time growing up. Now why do we focus on the poor? Why do we focus on the poor? Are the poor intrinsically holy because they don't have material wealth? No. That's not what we experience even in our own lives. Are the the poor immediately virtuous because they don't have stuff? No. Maybe are they even living correctly? Are you guaranteed to live correctly before God just because you have an empty bank account? No, not necessarily. When it comes to the poor that Jesus was talking about, you know, when church saying serve the poor, I don't count. I'm not one of them. I have a Camry. Jesus and his apostles, and at least for the first few hundred years of the church, they never imagined having a Camry, okay? I'm rich compared to them, okay? Even Fenwick, the bishop who came to the first bishop in Ohio, even he had to ride a dirty horse, you know? But I have a Camry. I also have a computer. I'm a rich man compared to what the scriptures are calling poor. In fact, I've got indoor plumbing, and that's a pretty late development. That's a pretty late development. So I, if, it, if the poor are the one that God hears, I'm not one of them. Because comparatively, I'm a rich man. And so what is it talking about? Well, St. Thomas Aquinas says that the poor and the, the rich are tempted. That's the first thing. The, the, the poor and the rich are tempted. The rich are tempted to use their wealth only for themselves. Versus seeing that wealth is a tool for the kingdom. Wealth is a tool for the kingdom. And too often they don't use it for the kingdom. They only use it on themselves. So that's their temptation. But the poor are tempted in two ways. One, because of what they lack, their poverty in some way, that they're tempted to fill that hole, to fill that lack by sin. To get what they need by sin. That's their temptation. And the other thing is they're tempted, and this is a bad temptation, they're tempted to think that God doesn't love them just because they're lacking something, just because they're poor. I'm poor, times are tough, I'm struggling, God must not love me. And that's a temptation. It's not the truth. Okay, it's not the truth. Now, one thing the poor have is they know what they lack. And we're not talking poor like maybe is found... Frequently here, we're talking like Mother Teresa, Calcutta-type poor, abject poverty. They know what they lack. They know they don't have food to put on the table that evening. They know what they lack, and they can reach out for it. We know that there are many types of poverty. There are many types of poverty. There's material poverty, of course, and that's what we always think of. You know, someone's poor, throw cash at them. That's not necessarily the best. Another type of poverty is poverty of food, of course. When when there's famine going on, it's so terrible. There's also poverty of health. You know, instead of being healthy and strong, you got some ailment. You got something. The ticker is not working right. That's a a poverty. I'm getting encouragement over here on my left to pick it up. Thank you. Okay. I will. Yeah. The... um, then there's poverty of relationships. Now this is huge. Mother Teresa came to our country and she said she was awed and she was horrified. She used words like that. I'm horrified because in one of the richest countries on the face of the earth, she goes, you have a poverty and you don't even know it. A poverty of relationships. You have more people who are ignored, isolated, and abandoned. He says, in, She said, in your country human life is garbage it can be thrown aside so easily she said human life is garbage in your country she goes what a poverty unlike no one she's ever seen before she made an indictment about our country so there can be a poverty in many ways being dirt poor for example in our love for god doesn't that affect all of us once in a while okay being dirt poor in our love for God or love for neighbor. You know, not having anything as far as love for neighbor. And so we all have some area of poverty. You may be poor in virtue and rich in vice. That's a poverty, okay? Once we know it, that's where our poverty lies. Every one of us have it. Every one of us have it. In some way, to use more of a psychological term that's not my take, we are broken people in so many ways. We all have our own poverty. And asking God to help us in that poverty, to help us in that place, that's a great act of humility. Asking God, hoping and longing for His mercy when we ask, is an act of trusting humility. An act of trusting humility. So why does the humble trusting prayer attract God's attention? Why does God hear the cry of the poor who are asking from the depths of their poverty and humility? Why does he hear that? Why does he answer those type of prayers? Because it looks like Jesus, it looks like Jesus in the greatest act of love ever, asking his father, to, did he pray for himself? No, he prayed for us. Father, forgive them. And he won it. And he won it right there. But he did it from the depth of poverty. He showed what was important. Is fame important? No. Is comfort important? No. Is prestige important? Authority and power? No. Is material possession important? No. None of that was important to him. God's mercy was. And that's why. Because it looks like the beloved son on the cross. That's why God hears the cry of the poor. Because they're asking in humility from whatever their poverty is. It doesn't have to be only material poverty. Trusting in his heavenly father, not in arrogance. He gave himself. And when we ask like that, we look just like Jesus. Anyone who turns to God and trust, hope... And humility in their poverty versus raging against it versus substituting, you know, the Pharisee guy. He he was given his resume, he was given his accomplishments. That's not humility, that's arrogance. No. Anyone who turns to God in trust, hope, and humility is like the publican in the temple. Remember, he was materially rich, but he knew his poverty. He knew where he lacked. And that looks like Jesus. That looks like Jesus, even if just a little bit. And God is attracted, God is kind, and God is merciful to those in their poverty Turn to him. This week, let us identify our poverties. Have the courage. It's a gutsy thing to do. Have the courage to identify what are your poverties. We all have some. You may be poor in virtue. You may be really rich in vice, okay? Don't do that, but name it. Name it and claim it, okay? You may be poor in love and kindness. You may be poor in charity and showing care and concern to one another. You may be poor in your speech, and your, where never is heard the encouraging word, oh, home on the range, okay? That may be our poverties. If that is, if you learn it, if you diagnose your poverty, blessed are you. That is the Holy Spirit working. Blessed are you. Because now, in imitation of Jesus, and in imitation of the publican in the temple, you can ask God to show his mercy. God's mercy is the divine duct tape. God's mercy fixes things like duct tape does. I hemmed my trousers for years with good duct tape. And then I found super glue. It works better than duct tape. Okay. The... Um, Asking for God's mercy. Mercy is always needed. When you see a problem, just say, Lord, send your mercy. Mercy is synonymous with the word God help. Not Father Tom help, not Father Dave help. It's God help. That's what we call down when we call his mercy. And God, who is rich in forgiveness, mercy, and grace, he hears the humble in their prayer. Why? Because they look like his beloved son at the greatest act of love ever. That's why God hears it. Each Sunday we come to Mass and we see again through the prayers of Mass, Jesus interceding for us. We also see in the crucifix in our homes that Jesus is the voice for all of us in our poverty. And he says, Father, have mercy.